KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the rundown for Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. This is Philadelphia's local news podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith, joined today by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. And on this Wednesday edition of the rundown, we're going to be talking with our colleague Hadas Kuznets, who's just back from a trip to her native Israel and got to see firsthand just how different the response in Israel is to the pandemic. From what Hadas just told us, it's hard for me to picture being here in America where people are fighting over vaccines and masks, just how strict they are over there. Everyone has three shots and everyone complies and it's just a totally different world. Absolutely. This whole notion of what a foreign concept, literally in this case, everyone pulling in the right direction for their own wellness. What a novel concept. Wouldn't that be nice if we had that a little bit closer to home? Also something really interesting stood out to me, guys. Probably not surprisingly, the eyes of the international community are on the United States of America and perhaps not so thrilled with what they're seeing. The buy-in in this country is a lot different from the one we've seen in Israel. We will get to that coming up a little bit later on. But first, it's time to get down to business on the rundown with today's headlines. We lead off today's headlines with the really sad story of a shooting of a young lady named Fontability, eight years old. Her family is suing Sharon Hill, which is in Delaware County, just outside of Philadelphia, because of on August 27th, that young lady was caught in the crossfire of a gunfight. And there's all sorts of issues that surround that right now. Yeah, and it's the evidence is looking very strongly like the shots that killed her came from police, which is why the family's suing Sharon Hill Burrow and the officers who fired the shots. Shooting is still under investigation. There's a lot of questions still left in this. And, you know, we, we could probably talk about this and dive into this for a while. But the latest update is that they have officially sued the borough and those officers. To this point, they're holding up as well as can be expected. But I think are very happy that we're taking as much time and putting as much effort into it as we are. And that's the family's attorney, Bruce Castor, talking about the family and how they're doing. You I mean, just a couple months after this tragedy happened. One of the things in question is, was the police force reckless in firing those shots? And that's one of the key issues in the suit that's being filed against the Sharon Hill Bureau. Also, that the Sharon Hill police were in violation of Fanta's constitutional rights. So as this grand jury investigation continues, this notion of whether or not the police were acting responsibly or irresponsibly and recklessly That seems to be the big thing. It really is just so sad on so many levels because it sounds like the gunfire was responsive to an incident that was going on. Fantability and her sister um, were just horribly in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, it's a a super complicated situation. And I think another thing that is really concerning and irritating people is that these officers, a lot of people think that they should not have their jobs anymore. So that is all getting tied up in this. It's, It's just awful. Little girl was eight years old. Substitute teachers, much like everything else, are in high demand and in short supply. And in an attempt to get more people to be subs as well as nurses, the school district's trying to get out a little bit of that extra cash to try to help people get through the door a little bit more. And Jane Sabrina, this was a problem for the school district before the pandemic. Think about what happened during COVID. That issue only becomes more dramatic. But bonuses are on the way. The system that oversees the pool of substitute teachers and other educational staff for the School District of Philadelphia, Kelly Education, is ready to offer bonuses through next April 
teachers, librarians, and counselors, they get a perk of 50 extra bucks per shift. So an uncertified teacher could bring in $175,000-ish right around there per day. I mean, that's hopefully the kids are all well-behaved, but that's that's not the worst amount of coin to get back into a classroom. Um, substitute nurses get an extra $100 per day. Brad Beckner spoke with our Mike DiNardo about the strategy behind this program and the payoff, literally and figuratively, he's hoping to see. The current active pool is roughly about 1,000 individuals in the instructional area, and I'm looking at this wage increase to double that pool within the next six to eight weeks. That would be a significant jump. We laugh about when we were all in school. We all had a substitute teacher come in the room. It's like, what is this guy doing here? He's dragging the bring the TV, the TV, and see, 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 Sabrina. That's how you know we both. She knew exactly (laughs) where I was going with that. The guy's bringing the TV in there. We're going to watch video for an hour, but somebody's got to cover that classroom because it starts off a domino effect. Listen, I was a substitute teacher actually for one day in the uh, (laughs) elementary school in the district where I, I grew up. And it was hard for that one day. I taught third grade half a day, kindergarten half a day, and that was not in pandemic time. So I understand why it's difficult to get substitute teachers, but that maybe this little bit of extra cash will help. My mother taught third and fourth graders for almost 20 years, and she basically described it like herding cats every day. And she was, right. she was an experienced teacher. I can imagine a substitute just getting plopped right in there with a bunch of adorable little kids who are going 500 different directions and, and, <laughs> and running everybody ragged around here. That is a definite perk to try to get some substitute teachers to come through. One more note, guys, to add about the Philadelphia School District. The city's Board of Education is going to vote on Thursday whether or not to authorize a search firm to try and find the replacement for Dr. William Height, who is the outgoing superintendent of the school district coming this August in 2022. I've got one more story, and uh, i got to ask you a question first. Jay, I have to ask you because Brian and I are married, so we don't really have this experience, but are you on any dating apps? I am, and I have been in the last, I'd say about the last six, eight months or so I have been. It's been certainly been a different experience. I'll put it like (laughs) that. (laughs) Have you ever seen anyone on there who you – Guests might be a catfish. Doesn't oh, seem totally real. All the time. It, it's I see. I may be the wrong person to ask about this because I'm highly skeptical of just about well, everything. Good. So I spot. I'll spot somebody on one of these apps, and I'm thinking like, you ain't real, and just kind of <laughs> keep and, and keep it moving, and don't think twice about it. That's good, and and you're right because apparently online catfish have stolen more than one billion dollars from Americans in romance scams over the past few years. And New Jersey is among the states with the most victims. So I don't know why it is that New Jerseyans are falling for this more than others. But Mike Doherty covered this for us. Here's a little bit of his reporting. Beware if the individual seems too perfect. FBI assistant special agent in charge Michael Messenger says once the catfish hooks the victim and gets them thinking they're involved in a romantic relationship, that's when the complaints about financial hardships begin and they start asking for or even demanding money. Also beware if the individual promises to meet in person, but they always come up with an excuse why he or she can't. Don't ignore the red flags. He says smart people fall for it because they're desperate for love. That's just so sad to me. Smart people fall for it because they're desperate for love. Everybody has a blind spot somewhere at times. That's a legit thing. It's like how that's how senior citizens get hooked by some of those wacky Nigerian prince emails that are Mm -hmm. sent to people and they get scammed out of a ton of money. It's the same thing that happens with these with these online love scams, whatever, whatever they're called here. (laughs) 
Did you guys happen to watch the show on Hulu? Came out not too long ago. Nine Perfect Strangers. Did you hear about it? I did not. I've it? heard about it. I haven't seen I, I, it. Yeah, same thing. In my household, I call it nine imperfect hours that I will never get back. But <laughs> great cast. I just thought the story didn't go anywhere and there was like nothing surprising to me about it. So there's this great cast and I was just furious because I couldn't understand why all these great actors would sign on to the show. It's like got Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, Bobby Cannavale, Michael Shannon, but they're just the story didn't go anywhere. Anyhow, point being, Melissa McCarthy's character, she's this really successful novelist, um, has had a great career, but just has never found love. And one of her issues why she went to go seek treatment at this treatment center where nine perfect strangers were all assembled uh, was because she was catfished by a dude for a lot of money. That's my catfishing story. My question was always, how do people get popped by this thing? But I'm, I, I'm a skeptical journalist who questions everything. So the second I, I smell something funny, I'm, I'm bailing. I'm, I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the ripcord and getting out of there. But some people aren't able to do that. And as we heard in the piece, you can be really smart, really tuned in, but you have a blind spot to let that sort of thing happen. These are just some of our headlines here on the rundown. Of course, you can find that and so much more by simply going to our website. KYWnewsradio.com. You're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and we're joined by KYW's Hadas Kuznets. Now, she's a reporter here at KYW News Radio, and she also just returned recently from a trip to Israel. So, Hadas, how's it feel to be back here in the city of Philadelphia? Feels uh, great to be back, but a little bit strange. I've got a little bit of a uh... COVID culture shock. You can definitely go into that in a second, too. I think a part of your story that a lot of people don't know is how tied you are to Israel. Tell us a little bit more about your story before we even go into the COVID culture shock part of this. Uh, Well, I was born in Israel. I have a dual citizenship. I have an Israeli passport and an American passport. Came to here at the age of two. My parents uh, left Israel. I studied in Israel for a portion of high school, went back to the Israeli army. I was a sergeant in the Israeli army. All my family is in Israel. They have a mandatory army there in Israel. Um, You know, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. It's just my portion of the family that lives uh, here in America. And I uh, came back to go to school and uh, travel around the country, starting my broadcasting career. And you found your way to us, and we're certainly grateful for that. And I know there's a lot that's different in Israel, obviously, from the United States. And you've had the experience that most Americans have just never had or really been able to possibly fathom or understand. And in particular, as you mentioned, it's a bit of a COVID culture shock right now. Their response to this pandemic has been way different than ours. So I want you to talk about that first. What drew you to go to Israel and... Why now? What what led you to go back effectively? What led you to go back home? Well, I've been wanting to go back and visit Israel. I wanted to bring the whole family for the past, uh, like, two years ago. I wanted to bring the kids, bring the whole family. And uh, we were waiting for COVID to pass so that we could go. And then uh, last year, my cousin told me that she was getting married. So for the past year, we've been hoping, like, can we go? Are we going to make it? We're definitely going. There's no way I'm missing my cousin's wedding. Um, and then as we got closer, I mean, the summer was great. We all thought that it was going to happen. And then um, as we got into the fall, it became clear that uh, Israel was getting very strict with who was coming to the country. When I went in September into October, 
they're only letting in Israeli nationals. So that meant that my husband couldn't go because he has an American passport, but not an Israeli passport. And then I thought, well, maybe I could bring the kids, but they're very, very uh, serious when it comes to COVID. And so kids are not vaccinated if they're under uh, 12, at which my children are. So that means that if I brought them, we'd be sitting in a two-week quarantine. So that left us me. And, uh, you know, worked out with my husband who took care of the kids for two weeks. And I went. And at first I was kind of like, oh, like bummed. Like I didn't want to, you know, go without them. And then my aunt was like, you're going to have a great time. And I thought, oh, wait a second. I'm going <laughs> to, this going to be great. So, <laughs> so I went. I went to Israel for my cousin's wedding. So what was the traveling situation like and actually getting onto the plane i've gone back home to michigan what is international travel like okay, right now so first of all israel covid is no joke so like hang on you are in for a good story because this is just so fascinating how they're handling covid in israel it is fascinating so um first of all it, it's it's serious and they take it very seriously so first of all you can't even go if you don't have an Israeli passport, number one, only Israeli nationals. Number two, you cannot go to Israel if you are not vaccinated. So you can go in with two shots, but once you get to Israel, if you don't have your third shot, like you can't do anything. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind. Also, before you get on the plane, obviously you are vaccinated, right? With at least two shots. Uh, you cannot get on the plane unless you have a no negative COVID test that you've taken within 72 hours. Now, once you get to Israel, usually when you arrive in Israel, there's like, you know, a big celebration and like there are people at the airport singing, dancing, Israeli folk dancing. They're singing like Am Yisrael Chai and like, you know, clapping their hands and kissing the ground and all this like fun stuff at the airport because usually there's a ton of tourist groups. That's not happening right now in Israel. So you get to Israel uh, usually there's like, it's packed. There's two lines of people, uh, Israeli nationals and foreign nationals. And uh, you have to wait in line, but there are only Israeli nationals. So nobody is in those booths. You just kind of go and show your like passport electronically without a person and, and go in. And then at that part where you, where you go to everybody after you have your luggage, where like usually everybody is like singing, folk dancing and everything. They opened up another part of the airport there no, there's nobody to greet like anybody. There's, there's nobody standing there with signs. And they lead you to another part of the airport and it's all medical, right? Masks, everything. Everybody has to take a COVID test. When you arrive in the country, they put a wristband on you, you know, like a paper wristband to check that you took your test and that you're registered in the system. So they have socialized healthcare. So it's very easy to check everybody and to keep it like just to kind of keep track of everybody, you have to pay for that test. It's a COVID test. Uh, you also have the option when you're in the airport of doing a serology test, and that's a pinprick. So what they do is they pinprick your finger, they test your blood to see if you have antibodies in your blood. You, you want to be positive for that test. That will come out in like a half an hour, uh, 10 minutes, sorry, 10 minutes they can tell you if you have antibodies and that goes into the system and that will shorten your quarantine. So that's the reason why you want to do that. So the rule is if you come to Israel and you don't have uh, any sort of a uh, vaccination because like you're a kid, then you get a two week quarantine. 
if you are vaccinated and your COVID test comes back negative, your quarantine is now one week. And if you have a negative COVID test when you arrive and your serology test is positive, meaning you have antibodies in your blood, then you have a 24-hour quarantine. So I needed to do that because I was going to a wedding. Plus, you know, like I can't sit two weeks in quarantine. That's your, your whole vacation. But uh, and then it's everything is monitored. The, the Ministry of Health has to send you an email or else you can't go anywhere um, or they'll, you know, you run the risk of them like checking or, you know, they have a national army service. Like I just told you in the beginning, I was a part of that national army. And that's how they're utilizing part of their army is to kind of knock on doors, make sure people are in the house where they say they are. So you have to give them your phone number. You have to give them your address. You like have to tell them where you're going. There's a lot to unpack here because (laughs) knowing how we are in this country, I couldn't imagine how that might be a culture shock for people who grew up here. Just thinking about that. It's not like it's not so crazy because they have socialized medicine. So (laughs) like you are in the system. And so they like know like how you are. And look, if you're worried about people tracking you, you're tracked on your phone all the time. But it's really like a a system to know, like if you have COVID, they don't want other people to get it. And they don't want to like track you to track you. But Um, And it's fascinating because, you know, I was there with my aunt. They ask you how many rooms are in the house. They have like a questionnaire so that you can quarantine. But like my, my aunt knew that I was vaccinated. I came, I gave her a hug. She didn't make me, you know, sit in a room. Like we hung out in her house, but she was calling the ministry of health so that they could email me this release. And you need this release to do anything in Israel. It's called Tavia Rok, which means a, a green pass. And let's talk about that Green Pass. What exactly is a Green Pass and kind of explain how that works? So a Green Pass is a system from the Israeli Ministry of Health. And they basically say that you are, you're good to go. Like, and and there's the date on this pass that says like, it's good until whatever date, because as you know, the COVID rules change often. So a Green Pass is three shots in Israel. If you get your three shots, you get it emailed to you like you have a green pass Uh, because I had gotten my shots abroad. I had to show them my vaccination card, one, two, three shots. That was my green pass, but um, you cannot do anything unless you have a green pass. So uh, you have to show your vaccination card to get a hotel, to eat at a restaurant, to do anything um, or else you can't participate in public life. And what's interesting is even like uh, I booked a hotel at the Dead Sea and um, I went there and they said, let's see your vaccination card. I showed it to them. Still, you know that every single person in the hotel has three vaccinations and everybody is still wearing their masks in the lobby and among other people. It's just common practice. Now, Jay, before I went to Israel, when I went in September, that was before three shots were widely accepted in the United States. I had to talk to my family before I came to Israel. And I, one of the big questions that I had was we are not authorized yet for three shots. What do I do? Hmm. And my family was telling me, get a shot. And I said, well, it's not authorized. And they said, get it anyway. (laughs) And and my, My big question was, 
is it the same dosage? Is it going to hurt me? And everybody I spoke with, in not only in Israel, but also I went to a couple different pharmacies here in America. They said to me, it's not going to hurt you, but it'll definitely help you. It, you know, it may or may not boost you, whatever we're still, but it's not going to hurt you. So that was my biggest concern is a third shot when before it's like authorized, is that going to hurt me? And, you know, they said, no, my family recommended, like, try to get it two weeks before you get on that plane. So I did. I reached out to CVS and I said, you know, can I get a third shot? And they said, it's not a problem, but we don't have kind of the infrastructure to like give it to you. So check a box that says that you're immunocompromised. So like I had to do what I had to do. Uh, but essentially they're saying everybody's going to get a third shot. I mean, now we're like into it. So uh, no questions asked. That's amazing to even yeah. picture everyone's gotten their third shot. Like we're just kind of getting around to boosters here in the United States. You already know how fraught it has been for a year and a half, even getting people to get the first vaccination. How are people in Israel responding to this? Are Is it anywhere near as polarized, I'll use that word, as it is here in the United States? What What's it like over there? Well, I mean, there, there are people that don't want to get vaccinated, and mostly it's kind of extreme religious groups or um, other groups that um, – I don't know, have hesitancy, but it's nowhere near the level of the people here in the States. And they've done a lot of campaigns in Israel to like get the rabbis on board and to like go into communities uh, to bring in those language like, uh, you know, Druze and Arabic and to, to get those people vaccinated, everybody vaccinated. Um, there's a huge marketing campaign. I rented a car and every like, commercial there was this PSA in Hebrew saying like and it was very interesting because it's a I mean it's basically a socialist democracy in Israel um, and it's it's really interesting the way they worded the PSA because it, it's like we're all in this together now is your turn to get your shot do it now <laughs> like we're all in it together and uh, it was this one PSA that kept playing over and over like no matter what channel i turned to on the radio it was we're all in it together get your vaccination shot do it now don't pass it to others like get get vaccinated um so that was that was really really interesting although look they, they still have to ask some people to put on masks there's always those people um there's, yeah there's back, always there's always going to be someone or a few people in there who try to yeah but like the shopkeepers will roll their eyes and they'll be like, come on now. They're, they're not like, <laughs> we, there's none of this, like we support no mask business. It just doesn't, it's not like that there. You have to get a vaccination in order to uh, leave the country too. Not a vaccination, sorry, a test. You have to get a test within 72 hours in order to get on that plane. Uh, and there was a person in front of me, a woman that had like, she was like, I didn't know I had to get a test. And they told her, you have to postpone your flight because you're not getting on this flight uh, unless you go and you have to get a test. There's so many things with this, by the way. The tests here, how much do they cost? Like, I had to get like a, a fast COVID test. So that cost me like 250 bucks at Philly International. And I guess if you do a fast COVID test, you could get it within the hour. A slow COVID test takes about 72 hours. Um, in Israel, a slow COVID test takes about 13 hours and it costs $40. You can get then, those at-home tests for, like, I think I got one for $25 or something. 
I don't know how they all compare, whether you get a rapid test at a pharmacy or something versus at home versus the PCR tests. But so there are some cheaper options, but cannot still. do a, a rapid test. It does not count. It needs to be a PCR oh. test or a rapid PCR test. They're serious so about their, this. Their PCR test takes 13 hours. Ours take up to 72 hours. Or you can get a rapid PCR test, which is more expensive. That's the one that was 250 bucks at Philly International. But a plain rapid test is not good enough. Wow. But once you so you got to do that to leave the country. And once you get to America, they're like, see you later. Go disperse. <laughs> which is very scary because, um, as I discovered in Israel, people with three vaccinations are still getting sick. So that's hmm. why they want you to have a test and be vaccinated. It's not enough to be vaccinated because you can still get sick. Coming back to the United States now, you mentioned at the very beginning that you had what you called a COVID culture shock. Yeah. What is it that you noticed about getting back here? It's just that like you get used to that everybody that's fully vaccinated has three shots and you know that they, you know, started vaccinating around the same time that we started vaccinating and that they have three shots and they're still wearing masks. And then you come back and people are like, I'm fully vaccinated. And you're like, well, what does that mean? They're like, well, I have two shots. And when was the last one? Back in February or March or even April. And then you're like, whoa, wait a second. And you're not wearing a mask. And you come from a place where they had three shots and indoor mask wearing. So it makes you think like, and, you know, I know that there were cases in Israel. And so, like, it makes me very edgy. Because you get used to a normal. I mean, imagine if if from America, if uh, you went to another country and fully vaccinated was one shot, you'd be like, wait, what? Like, what's going on? You need your second shot. You need your second dose. You know, it just it just makes me wary because uh, I mean, I remember I was at the beach with my other cousin, not the one who got married, but another one. I have a lot of cousins, like I said, and uh, I went over to her. She was sitting in a chair on the phone going oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And she told me that her coworker, she was on the phone with a coworker who got sick after being uh, thrice vaccinated. She got sick and I was like, oh my gosh, well, what does that look like if you get sick after having your third shot? And my cousin said that she had like a temporary loss of smell and a runny nose. So like not terrible, but she passed it to her kids. Now, granted, it wasn't like a, serious illness and they got through it but you know it's still scary to know that you can pass it to people that are unvaccinated including children and that's one of the primary reasons so many of us harp on getting vaccinated because there are still between kids and certain immunocompromised people you cannot risk passing this thing around i guess one last question we have on this why do you think israel was so ahead of the game in terms of their response to response to covid Uh, Well, I don't know if it's about the response, but I feel like uh, maybe, you know, Pfizer is definitely collecting data from Israel because they're a first world socialized medicine, small country. They're very small. So it's like really great to have data as far as how the people are doing. And so Pfizer is following the data because it's well documented because they have the system for everybody in the country. And they're keeping track also of what's going on in the rest of the world. I mean, one of the kind of things that made me nervous is I I kept like kind of checking Israel, like 
label the country as like, are you red status? Are you orange status? So like America was red and then they turned orange, luckily, because if they were a, like a red country, either I wouldn't be able to go or it would be like a two week quarantine hands down. There are certain places that you can go to Israel from or or certain countries where they won't let you in. Same with the United States, right? Like, are there certain countries there that are more like hot with COVID than others? And you don't want those citizens coming into this country. Well, Israel does that. Also, they're watching uh, the United States and the United States is hot. And, and people are watching. People are watching what we're doing, by the way. People are watching our news and people are seeing how we're acting. And we're shocking to Israelis. We're very shocking. There are parts of this country that are shocking to other parts of the United States. So I could <laughs> only imagine what it would be around the world. They ask me, like, do, do people act like that? Are they, like, fighting each other in the street over vaccinations, over masks? And, you know, yeah, in some places they are, you know? And it's and it was very interesting to see how we look in the eyes of citizens of another country, a, a first-world democratic country. Uh, it's very interesting. They're they're like shocked, you know. They're like, "This is America. We look up to America. You know, the, you have the best economy. You you're you're like a leader in democracy. How are people not wanting to uh, help when it comes to the health of other people? And that is just a different mindset when you're coming from a country that has socialized medicine. When we talk about how this pandemic has progressed, what you just described there, this United States is the quote unquote democracy around the world that seemingly would be the the shining beacon on a hill or whatever it was that that original phrase was but i gotta tell you when it comes to covid like israel is a shining example of uh they have their problems and they have the outliers of people that don't want to get vaccinated but they're doing such a good job like it feels good to go and to know that like everybody around you is vaccinated and they're still wearing masks like look you don't fully know if everybody is vaccinated but like the the feeling in the country is like like that psa like we're all in it together (laughs) (laughs) there's a there's a much higher probability that someone is vaccinated there than there is here and i think that's the lesson that's being taught is following israel's example when it comes to battling this pandemic and getting vaccinated and getting this thing reeled in it's it's just simply astonishing to even hear this story about Israel and how far different it is from how things are rolling. I'm still adjusting. I'm (laughs) I'm sure. Now, Hadass, we could obviously talk all day about this. You cover so many things for us here at KYW News Radio. What are you working on right now that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, Right now, I'm actually uh, hitting the streets, talking to people about how they're doing Halloween, if they're doing Halloween. And it's really interesting because COVID is not the only safety factor here. Some people are telling me that they're really kind of concerned about the gun violence. And so they might not want to really do Halloween because of that. So, I mean, I think those are the two issues that are the two stories that are going to be with us for a while now. Uh, Like at least, you know, going into 2022, COVID and gun violence, they're, you know, hands down, they're going to make their way into every story, whether it's Halloween, holidays, Whatever comes up, those are the two issues that are going to permeate. It's it's amazing how those two seem to kind of be like a Venn diagram that run together when it comes to all of this, too. Hadass Kuznets, she covers just about everything here for us here at (laughs) KWW News Radio. 
Plus, she also hosts the What's Cooking podcast because she's also in tune with the restaurant scene and everything here in the city. How can people check out what you're doing, Hadass? Check me out on Twitter at Hadass Kuznets and follow me on Facebook. Hadass is a lovely human being, and we are certainly thankful for having you on here once again with us on The Rundown. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode today, Hadass. Thanks, Jay. Great to be here again. And The Rundown is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced, of course, by Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. It's Real Jay Scott Smith on Facebook and on Instagram. And you can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio starting at 3 o'clock for Philadelphia's Afternoon News on KYW News Radio 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and right here on the Odyssey app, which is also where you'll find The Rundown. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Rundown PHL and listen once again on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I want to thank you so much for checking out this Wednesday edition of The Rundown.